We've been talking about opening doors in these last weeks. We started by reading from the book of Revelation a letter that was from Jesus to one of the churches that were in Turkey. And he told them, you are distracted. You are not giving your heart fully in love to me. In fact, you have become so distracted, chasing multiple different things in this world, that you have, in fact, shut me out of your lives. But remember the words that he said, Behold, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'm standing at the door and knocking. The door shuts. Now, this wasn't written to people who were not followers of Jesus. This wasn't written to people who, who didn't care at all what God wanted in their lives, but it was written to Christians, and he's telling these Christians, you're distracted. You're not focused on me. You're focused on, and we went through the list of things. He lists the different things that they were focused upon, and he said, you're lukewarm. You don't love me. Remember what the greatest commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He said, you're not even close. You have shut me out of your life because you're pursuing everything but me. And so he says to those who were Christians, here I am, shut out of your life. I stand at the door and I'm knocking if you will open the door, I will come in. And so we've been talking about how do we open the door? What are ways that the door can be opened up so that he comes in and we experience his life and his power and his joy and his peace? So we have been focusing on a scripture that describes how the early Christians the earliest Christians lived. It comes from Acts chapter 2, and it's verse 42. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so, we talked about the fact that to open the door, we need to be reading God's word every day. Between services, one of, the, one of our church members came to me and he said, Pastor, about 30, I think he said 35 years ago, I started and I get up 15, 15 minutes early every day and read the Bible for 15 minutes before the rest of the family gets up. And I've done it for 35 years. It makes a difference. Are you opening the door? He says, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so today we're going to focus upon opening the door of prayer. How much do you pray? Do you pray? Now, most people, when I ask them, at least most church people, when I ask them, they say, oh, yeah, I pray many times every day. Just a, a sentence here, a sentence there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about praying like Jesus, who set aside time in his life to pray. Set aside chunks of time regularly to pray. And so we're going to read from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11, 
we're going to read an account of one of the times Jesus was praying and the disciples were watching. So, hear the gospel of the Lord. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. When we come together to worship, the entire service is a prayer. Uh, maybe you haven't really realized that, but it's all about talking to God and listening to God, to what he has to say to us. So the whole service is a prayer. And we began with a prayer, because how great thou art is a prayer. And so through this service, we're going to be praying to the Lord. And we're going to use this prayer that Jesus taught us as the framework for our prayers today. So he began, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's focusing on who he is. It's focusing upon his character. Now the truth of the matter is, if we dare to approach him and ask him for anything, we should come crawling with our faces on the ground. For he is the sovereign ruler and creator of everything, and we are but creatures. And he is holy. That's what it means, hallowed be thy name. He is holy. The Bible tells us that continually the cherubim and seraphim surround the throne of God and they sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. And it says that they cover their faces when they, when they sing this prayer to him. Well, I haven't always been holy and neither of you. But we don't say, start it off by saying, oh, mighty, fearful God. Instead, Jesus said, start our Father. This is what Jesus says. You are my friends. If you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Friends. So we don't come to him intimidated. We come as his, as his friends, as his children. So Jesus said, begin your prayers by focusing upon God's true character and offer to him adoration and praise. 
phrase says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is all about saying, you're good, I know your character, you're holy, and you've called me your child, so I can call you father. But I know you have a mission. God's not just sitting up in heaven watching and saying, well, are they going to make a mess today or not? God has a mission. We've been talking about his mission. His mission is to bring the kingdom of God, to replace the kingdom of men and women, which are guided by their self-interest, their selfishness, our greed, and instead bring the reign of the good and holy God to earth. So we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In a moment, I'm going to have you read scripture with us, but I want to read two sections uh, first. And if you'll just listen, these words will be on the screen. Uh, you're, you're free to read along, but just listen as I read to you. We start in John chapter 18, verse 36, and this is Jesus and Pilate are having a, a conversation, and, and Pilate is asking about the kingdom of God. Jesus responds, saying, My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Just last week, Pastor Carrie spoke, and she uh, spoke from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, and I want to read just a portion of that for you right now. This is verses 6 through 8. Listen as I read. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because they, if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Would you join with me in reading from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21? It says this, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus is showing us. He is laying this out for us. That the kingdom is not how we would expect it. The kingdom is not how the world expects it. He says, that kingdom that you have there, that's not it. That's not what this is about. This comes from within. The kingdom of God is in you, even now. And we see throughout Scripture, Jesus has an immediacy to his words. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. So it's a reminder to change our mind to see a new reality. And so as we look at the world with different eyes, we see a different kingdom. Would you join with me in reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again? But this time we're in verses 12 through 16. It says this. 
What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So Jesus calls us. He calls us to see the kingdom that is here, to, to see the kingdom that is not from the world, but rather is from the spirit of God. He calls us, all of us, so that as one we might come together to have the mind of Christ. So what is the next phrase in the prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. He says, it's fine to ask God. Now, for some of us, when we pray, that's about all that's there. But you've seen already, there's more than that that Jesus said should be a part of our prayer. But, uh, but he says, it is, it is good to bring your challenges, your needs to the Lord and ask for his mercy and his provision for he is our faithful provider. Last night when we got to this point in the service, someone interrupted. They do that on, on Saturday night. You never know what will happen. Well, I don't know what you'll do either, but, uh, but they'll just interrupt right in the, uh, in the middle. And he said, well, are there times that God doesn't listen to us when we pray? And the answer is no, there is never a time he's not listening to his children when they pray. But he does not always answer the way that we have requested. Many of you know, and many of you sent notes and different kinds of things, that my wife passed away two years ago on Valentine's Day. So I don't have Valentine's Day anymore. But that's okay. That's okay. And God was with me and has helped me through the last two years very much. But that's not what I wanted. Many of you prayed for her as well. And you prayed with faith. But he had a different plan. I don't know why. I thought mine was better. I know what I prefer. But that's not the way he answers. Sometimes... But I'm confident he's got everything under control because remember how the prayer starts out? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's my Father. He loves me as his child. He loves us as his child. And he's holy and good. So I don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it. Doesn't mean it's always easy. Sometimes he delays. He's saying, yes, God is good. God is good. 
And he says, he provides for you, but ask him. Ask him. Trust him. Be still. God provides. He does provide for us. So ask him. Trust him. Remember who he is? That's how we started. Who is he? You can trust him. Will he do everything the way you dream it up? Well, no, because he's a lot better at dreaming than you are. But trust him. Be still. Let's stand together and let's offer our prayers to him. So, Father, we come to you today, our Father. We are so thankful that you are our Father. You have been a good Father to us all, and we trust in you. You have proven yourself trustworthy time after time after time. And with every challenge we have faced, you have been with us, giving us strength and wisdom and joy. So we know that whatever we bring to you today, you are going to be with us and you are going to help us. So each of us, we have things that we need your help in, so we offer them to you. We name those things to you right now, and we say, O oh Lord, loving Father, have mercy upon us. We pray for, for those who are ill, especially we pray for those who are fighting cancer this morning. We also pray for those who are receiving treatment, and we ask, Father, would you restore them to wholeness? Give them strength. Increase their faith. May they not fear, but experience peace and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for those who are looking for work. They need to provide for their families, but we ask that you would open the doors for them and you would act for them. And we continue to worship you and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those against us. Isn't God's forgiveness wonderful? It's amazing. You think you deserve it? Not a chance. And yet the, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, he lavishly pours out his mercy, his forgiveness on those who are willing to receive it. So forgive us. Forgive us. The Apostle John, the one who's called the beloved disciple, the Apostle John said this about his forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is own up. And he'll forgive us. There is no reason for any of us to feel shame or guilt 
If we show shame or guilt, that's on us. It's not on Jesus because if we confess our sins to him, he forgives us. And it doesn't matter what you do. He's going to forgive you anyway. Can you believe it? Isn't that wonderful news? But as Jesus was teaching this prayer to his disciples, at least in the version that is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, that's not the one we read, we read Luke, but the Gospel of Matthew, as soon as the prayer concludes, Jesus says these words, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We were just talking about how generous and extravagant God is with giving away forgiveness. Not because we deserve it, but just because we can. Because that's who he is. That's holy. And so Jesus says, be like your father in heaven. If you're going to be a forgiven person, you've got to forgive just as generously as he does. So just forgive him. The fact that you won't certainly make him immeasurable anyway. So just just let it go. Not because it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Your sin mattered too. But because God is so good and generous, let us imitate him. So in the first service at this point, we celebrated baptism. There was, uh, so Maddie Beardsley gave her testimony and we celebrated the fact that she has turned to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of her sins and he's given her new life and we celebrated baptism with her. Now when we have baptisms, we always together share our faith, proclaim our faith, the faith of our baptism in Jesus who's the forgiver and the savior. So we don't have anybody that's going to be baptized this service unless somebody stands up right now and says, oh, it's me, it's me which is fine with me. You know, that's what they did on Pentecost. They just said, here we are, baptize us. And, and so, but let us, thanking Jesus for his great mercy to us, let us proclaim our faith and trust in him together. So let us stand together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Mount of God's unchanging love, but that last verse talks about prone to wander. Prone to wander. That's why those folks in Revelation got the letter from Jesus. 
they were wondering. And we're prone to wonder. We let things distract us. Instead of loving him with our whole heart and soul and mind, we start loving other things and can even shut him out of our lives till he's on the outside knocking on the door saying, look, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you will open the door, I will come in. So that brings us to the next phrase in the prayer. deliver us from evil. Don't let me get distracted. When I'm distracted, I am overcome by evil. Lord, you are my provider. Not whatever the temptation is. The things I'm in I am tempted to pursue, to focus on instead of upon your love, Lord. The tempter always lies about how they're going to provide for me. They do not do that. Only you, Lord, are the provider. So, Lord, don't let me be distracted. Don't let me be led into temptation. Deliver me. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Comes back around full circle, doesn't it? Back to the beginning. You see, no matter what challenges I face, the kingdom's his. The kingdom doesn't belong to the people who show up on Access Hollywood. It doesn't belong to the people who are the politicians with all the power or are running for some office. The kingdom's his. No matter what the circumstances look like. Oh, yeah, of course, there are circumstances that don't look so good. But the thing as followers of Jesus that we need is we need to see the truth. And the truth is, the kingdom belongs to him, not all these other people who claim. Not only is the kingdom his, so is the power, the power to take care of you and provide for you and do everything that's necessary for you. And so is the blessing. So we worship him. We trust in him. And we do not get anxious fear for the kingdom the power and the glory are his now and forever so let us pray our father we trust in you and you're perfectly trustworthy we thank you for your astonishing lavish love that you give to us even though we're not worthy that you would welcome us into your family and make us your children and call us your friends. That's something we would never deserve. But it's your choice. And you've 
made that choice because you love and you have proven your love to us over and over but you proved your love most dramatically to us when your son came to this planet and gave his life on the cross to rescue us from the curse of our sin and to give us life in the kingdom of God. So we worship and adore you. Your son wanted us to never forget, so he gave us this meal. A meal in which he once again gives himself to us, for us. A meal in which we receive. And we are filled with your love and your grace. And so we ask that you would send your spirit upon these gifts and make them to become for us the sacrament of the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who on the night he was betrayed took bread and said, This is my body given for you. And after supper, he took the cup and said, This is the covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant in I'll get it right. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. We remembered him all through the service. His death, the resurrection, the fact that he is the sovereign Lord, our Lord, and we worship him. And so we pray that as we come to eat and drink, that we will every one experience your power, your glory, your love, your joy, your peace, as we Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. We need to open some doors. You're not too busy to pray. It's a matter of what? What's important? What's important to your heart? Will you open the door? Will you make sure, like Jesus, that you pray every day? You spend time with God, not just to say, I need this, I need this, I need this, but to open your heart to him and let him come in and fill your life. Together, let's say the prayer that Christ our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.